Hey, it's so good to have you here. We want to welcome Winnipeg and the drive-in service and everyone joining us around the world. It's just wonderful having a church that's a studio too. And we believe God's going to touch you right where you are. Let's pray. We're going to pray for leaders. We always pray for leaders in accordance with the Bible and Timothy, where it says, if you want to live a life that is prosperous and peaceful, pray for leaders. Father, right now we pray for the leaders of our nation, our provinces, our cities, healthcare, business, education. Father, your word says that wisdom is crying out in the streets. I pray that these leaders would listen and they could make the right decisions with wisdom. Father, I pray that they wouldn't listen to special interest groups or people who are filled with fear. But Father, they'd make the right choices for the people of our nation to walk in freedom, to walk in favor, in blessing, in prosperity into our future. Father, if there's a leader that is just in it for themselves and isn't here to serve people, or make wise choices. Take them out, and we ask you to put in men and women who will, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. There's an interesting story in the Bible that doesn't explain itself. It says something fantastic, but then doesn't explain itself. And I want to endeavor to do that today, and it's the story of King David. He's not been crowned the king of Israel yet. So he's got a group of men that follow him. They have built their own village. They've got wives and kids. And one day as they're coming back from, the, from out, whatever they were doing, fighting, someone had come in and stolen their wives and their kids. Now, I can't think of anything more devastating than having an enemy. And in those days, warfare was brutal. Steal your kids, your wife. The men were so upset, they were going to kill David. Now you know there's a problem when everybody wants to kill the leader. And David did something interesting. He did not stand in front of them and try to defend himself. He didn't say, hey guys, I got a plan. He literally pulled himself away. And the Bible says he strengthened himself with God. But it doesn't tell us how he did it. And that's important to me. I remember years ago. You know, I grew up in a church and you know, a couple of amazing parents who were pastors, but we'd never really seen a church grow past a couple hundred. And when Sal and I got married and began to go to conferences of mega churches and we saw what God could do, it became our prayer. I said, God, if I'm going to do something for you, I want it big. I want to do something that's going to make a difference. And I didn't realize the bigger you get, the more problems you've got bigger something is, the more pressure that you feel. And there was multiple times in my life personally where I was so overwhelmed and the answer was simply management techniques, administrative techniques. But then there was times when I was overwhelmed where it was just capacity. I just didn't matter how many techniques you've got, you feel the burden, like Paul says, the burden of the churches. And I remember going, crying out to God and finding this story of David and then going, rip off, you don't even tell me how we did it. So I began to go into the Word and I began to follow David's life. I began to find out what did this man do? Because he wasn't even born again. 
And so when you find heroes in the Old Testament who aren't, because they're under the Old Covenant, they didn't have a born-again spirit. They didn't have the peace of God. They didn't have the presence of God in them. They had to pray to a God that was out there, whereas we have them on the inside. And I found a word, and we have to explain this word because it doesn't mean the same thing, and it changed my life. It's the word wait. Now, I hate that word in our language because I don't like waiting. I'm a very <laughs> impatient guy. I have to work on that all the time. If I see a lineup, I don't get in it. If there's a lineup for a restaurant, let's go to McDonald's. Uh, I just don't want to stand here and wait. And many pastors, when they see the word wait in the Bible, they think God is making you wait. And I've heard some of the most deep messages on God's going to make you wait. And in his waiting, and you're going to suffer, you're going to learn something. And that's wrong. Just so you know, that's wrong. The word wait does not mean that God is making you wait, that you're climbing to a, you're hanging onto a cliff and your last fingernail, and God's looking over at Gabriel going, well, you think Leon has suffered long enough, Gabriel? Two more weeks? What do you think, Michael? Let's take a vote amongst the angels. Yeah, let Leon, he's got lots more to learn. Let, let the poor sucker just hang in there, baby. That's not God. And I had to figure that out because if that was God, that was, that was pretty awful in my books. But I found out that the Bible says the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro over the earth. He's looking for someone on whose behalf to move suddenly. He loves suddenly. Today's a day of salvation. It doesn't say tomorrow, next week, next year's a day of your salvation from sickness or poverty or disease. It's always in the now. It's today. It says his eyes are always on his people, always on his family. That term means so he can move now, right now. If you're a mom and you got a three-year-old, you know what that's about. You can't walk down a sidewalk and take your eyes off them for a second. Or they're going to be playing amongst the traffic. So why is your eye on them? So you can move now, not ah, in an hour. Let them play in the freeway. I'll catch up. No, your eyes are on now so you can move now. And I want you to know this is an important part of what I want to show you today, that God moves quickly, suddenly. There's nothing left uh, that God has to figure out. He wants to accept explode on the scene for you. Well, then why does it say wait? Let me read you some of this. And I think I'm going to share with you four or five thoughts that will change your life. Because once you learn this, life changes. In Psalms chapter 25, it says, Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. There's our first hint. When you slow down and just spend time with God, He'll show you the way. What way? The way to deal with your son, the way to deal with your marriage, the way to deal with your finances, the way to deal with situations, the way to deal with your head, your emotions. I don't know what it is in your life, but too many people make decisions. And they make decisions quickly, and they jump from the frying pan into the fire. Wait on God, and He'll show you a way. The Bible says that many are the plans in a man's heart, but the one from God is the one that stands. When you begin to slow down and just spend time with God, waiting on Him shows you the correct path, the correct decision, the way to handle everything in your life. Psalms 37, 
verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way and you will inherit the land. I look at Canada. This is my country. That's how I think. I hope you think the same way. This is our country. We don't give it up to stupidness. We don't give it up to, to, to crazy. This is our country. And the Bible says you can inherit the land. That means rule, reign, lead. It doesn't mean we can make people do anything. It just means that your influence is so amazing, you inherit the land. But it says, wait on the Lord and keep His way. I've noticed that when people go through stuff, some people change. They don't keep their honor, their integrity. They don't keep their value system. They talk one way in public and they act a different way in private. They can't seem to be able to maintain God's way of doing life. And the Bible is saying if you'll wait on Him, that you'll literally keep the way. You'll keep His way. You'll walk in the fruit of the Spirit. You'll walk in the strength of the Spirit. You'll walk in honor. You'll walk in integrity. You'll deal with your mouth with wisdom. You won't judge. You won't, you'll forgive. This, this way... The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. We need to stay on the way. I love this word wait now. Psalms 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me. He heard my cry. He brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet on a rock, and He established my steps, and He's put a new song in my mouth. I remember working at the hospital when I was in my early 20s. I was training to be a paramedic. And Mondays, I mean, I would just be happy. I loved, if I started to whistle or kind of hum or sing a song, there'd be someone, oh, shut up, it's Monday. When God does something and he pulls you out of a pit, that pit could be financial, relational. It could be depression. It could be sickness. It could be, I don't know. There's so many different ways the enemy will try to get us into a pit. It says that when we wait on the Lord, that's the qualification here. He'll take us out of a horrible pit, out of miry clay. Have you ever walked in, in wet, wet dirt? It's pretty easy to walk in unless it's got clay mixed into it. And then you can hear your boots, your rubber boots always come off. And then you hear this sucking noise. It says when your feet are mired in the clay, he'll pick you out of that mess and he'll set your feet on a rock. There's something about spending time with God that it doesn't matter what goes on and what isn't working for you right now. This waiting on the Lord will pull you out of whatever pit that you feel yourself in. Psalms 27 it says, teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in smooth paths because of my enemies. I like smooth paths. See, it says he'll lead you in a smooth path. I don't want to chase this rabbit, but there are so many people that believe to follow God. is <laughs> It's just so rough to follow God. Oh, that is such a bunch of baloney. The Bible says the way of God is, Jesus said, my way, his burden is light. It talks about a smooth path here. Direction from Him, knowing which turns to make. God is not the author of one hell of a rough path for you. He makes your way smooth. He exalts you. He picks you up. Delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you the desires of your heart. Everything about the Word is He wants your life. But there are. we live in a real world with an enemy. And we live in a world where health and finances and governments and things can go wrong. And you need to know if you slip and you fall and things go bad, He'll pick you and pull you right out of even a terrible pit. So it says, he'll make our way smooth. 
And then verse 12 says, Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, as such as breathe out violence. We live in a world with social media where people can take you on, lie about you all they want. Usually when people they'll hear about Springs Church, they'll Google me. And the smart ones realize that, hey, everything on Google isn't real. Just a thought. Just a thought. But people can lie about you. They can take you on. And they'll lie about your integrity, your honor. They'll lie about anything they want. And they can do it from the, the hidden room of their little basement. As never before, people, liars are out there. And the Bible says here that we've got an adversary. They're breathing out violence. It's, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know why I like this verse? Because a lot of preachers that I preach with when I travel, it's always in the sweet by and by. One day when we get to heaven, things are going to be good. But down here below, it's just a cabin. No gold, barely get by. Sick, dreary, just moving along. But one day in the sweet... No, it says here very clearly, and it repeats this phrase in the Bible and other places. It says, I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's here where we are today. Then verse 14 says, wait on the Lord. And it, because of the way we use this word, we keep thinking it means wait, but it's not. It's talking about something else. It says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he's going to strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This waiting is stunning. Something is going on during this thing called wait. In Psalm 65, verse 5, My soul, wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Now there's a word in here about silence. I love praising and singing and declaring His goodness. But never be afraid of silence. Ever been around someone that just can't stand silence and blah, 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 or they get nervous and they get worried and they're going through something. They just, you can't shut them up. Their mouth just keeps going and they need to keep saying it. When you watch movies and you've got heroes in the West or you know, it's always the guy that is just quiet and they're trying to emulate that real confidence means you don't have to you know, talk out your nervousness. And the world has learned that. There is a stillness. There's a quietness that comes right out of your heart. And what I love about this portion of Scripture is that God's not strengthening your emotions. He's not strengthening your thoughts. He's not strengthening your body. He's strengthening your heart because your heart strengthens all of the above. When your heart gets strengthened, it's not just an emotion that kind of courses through. There's a revelation, an opening, an aha moment about who you are. Because everything that has to do with your heart has to do with your identity. And when anything changes around your identity that you believe, your entire world changes. So God's Word isn't about memorizing rules. It's not about memorizing what you can do or can't do. God's Word is about taking you and beginning to change how you see you, how you see God. This takes place when you wait. Last one, Psalms 130. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His Word I do hope. More than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. You know, things always seem worse at night. Have you ever noticed that? 
have a good fight with somebody and try to get through the night. Or you're sick with a baby. It just, or you got something pushing at you as soon as the sun goes down. I've heard so many people, and I've experienced it too, getting through the night, sometimes in the darkness. And if you're up anyway, walking the floor with a baby or trying to deal with an issue, or maybe you got bad news and you can't sleep, maybe you lost somebody you love, night times can be hard. But if you get up and you look at the sun come up, you're looking for hope. When that sun breaks over the hill and you see those first reds and oranges, something beautiful is about to happen. A new day is dawning. A new day is breaking. The mercies of the Lord are renewed daily. And all of a sudden, and we've got to understand that this is giving us an incredible key. He's saying, wait on the Lord and learn to watch like those who watch for the morning. The Bible says that tears only last for a night. But what comes in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. There's something about mornings. And he's saying that when you wait on the Lord, all of these scriptures give us a nuance of what it means to wait. But now I'm going to give you the one everybody knows. This is the most popular verse around in Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable because he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young man shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, they're going to renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings like eagles. They're going to run and not be weary. They're going to walk and not faint. What does it mean? To wait. Let's pull all these scriptures and just time together really quickly. The word wait means to get into faith. To wait means to get into faith. See, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro over the earth. He's watching over his family. What is he looking for? He's not looking for a need. Those are everywhere by the billions. What's he looking for? He's looking for faith. He's looking for someone who'll just believe him, trust him. And when it does, something miraculous takes place. So waiting has to do with us growing or establishing or finding faith. And this word wait, now there's, a, there's a bunch of Hebrew words that mean wait, but this one means twisting and braiding and binding someone together with something. It's like the Bible teaches how a rope of three cords cannot be broken. Jesus in John chapter 16 talks about, I'm in you and you're in me and God's in me and we're in God. You're just so mixed up with God, you're just one. And as you're waiting on God, you're remembering, I'm his son, I'm his daughter. He's in me and I'm in him and Jesus is in me and Jesus is in God and God's in Jesus and they're in me and I'm in them. I can't lose. This waiting is finding that faith. This waiting is remembering Goliath looks big, but have you looked at God lately? You know, when Sally bought these uh, magnifying glasses, these great big ones, and you look at a bug, and the kids love it. You look at a bug, and it's just small. But then you start pulling it away, and this bug looks this big. Sometimes you look at your problem through a magnifying glass. It looks pretty big. And the problem is that when you stare at something and you magnify it, you give it place in your heart. What do you do? Get that magnifying glass off that bug, that little critter that is just a little p 
piddly thing and you put it on God. Now, the magnifying glass doesn't make the bug look bigger. It makes it look bigger. And the Bible says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Why do we do that? Because when you look at God and you magnify him, you tell our puny little brains, come on, little guy, that giant is, is puny compared to the God who put the planets together. This is the God who designed everything. And you begin to realize how big is our God, how great is our God and faith. You can just feel it begin to rise up on the inside and it causes your cells to regenerate. It causes your mind to go happy. It causes everything within you, the relationship, how you look at people is no longer judgmental. It's I love you and I love you. All of us imperfect people, I love you. This love of God starts to rise up when you magnify him. This waiting is in faith. This waiting is a braiding and a binding you to God. It's magnifying God and it's looking for the answer. Have you noticed that when you go through something, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for the ax to drop. What's going to happen next? Something I can just feel something bad is coming and you think you're a prophet. No, you're a self-fulfilling prophet because people in faith look for the morning. People in faith look for the rays of the sun. You know, there's a beautiful verse in the Bible that says how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news. You know why I love that? Let me tell you what's behind that. In Israel, if you ever go there, it's just hills of rocks everywhere. And when a city gets attacked, they would always surround the city. And the importance of surrounding the city was to not let a runner out. Because if the runner gets to the next city, he'll bring back help. So if a city gets attacked, you get surrounded, and there's, you can't do it yourself, you get a runner out. Now, some cities would actually have hidden tunnels and caverns to get a runner out. They had a way of getting a runner out to the next city. And as he would run, and this man would run, this city is fighting for their lives. They're on top of the wall. They're doing anything they can to keep this army at bay. And their eyes are on the hills. From whence comes your help. Why? Because they see that runner coming and they know he made it. He made it. And there's an army behind him. We're going to be okay. We're not going to have our men killed and our boys slaughtered and our women stolen. The price was huge. How lovely on the mountain. When we talk about waiting on God, we're looking for answers. We're looking for the sun to rise up. We're looking for that man on the hill. We're believing that somewhere, somehow, God is going to break through. There's no way we're going down. This is waiting. This is praising him ahead of time. Waiting is declaring his goodness. You know, the Bible tells about Abraham. It says that God, the God of Abraham, he calls things that be not as though they were. In the expanded Bible, it says, prayed. Abraham prayed and thanked him in advance. Trusting and knowing, my God fail me? Ha! He'll see me through. This waiting is waiting in His Word. This waiting is waiting praising Him. This waiting is getting out to church, is getting into some beautiful music. Is there a song that's touched your heart lately where all of a sudden you're going, 
this word. I always have songs rising up on the inside of me when I'm in the car and I'm alone. I'll just start singing them. And it's always an encouraging song to take you through whatever is going on. Waiting is not a time thing that God's making you wait. Waiting is the preparation of your heart. Waiting is getting the word planted within there. Waiting is an Old Testament look at a New Testament teaching on the, the process of faith. And now that Jesus has died on the cross and he's forgiven our sins and we can invite him into our heart, we have a nature change. If you ever meet somebody whose nature is not what it should be, but they're born again, they've been paying attention to the flesh too much. Because you see, the nature of God's in our spirit, but we've got to renew our mind. and got to make our body listen. Get up and be happy. Rejoice. Magnify the Lord with me. Look for the sunrise. Look for the runner on the hills. Quit thinking everything is so bad and so hard. And as you do, you'll begin to remember, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Because the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro over the earth to show himself strong on someone's behalf. He's not looking for needs. They're everywhere. Jesus even said, the poor you have with you always. It's faith. People say, why is God like that? Because he gave the earth to man. The authority of the earth is given to man. And so for God to move requires someone to work with him. He's our helper, the Bible says, yet he's our God and our leader. It's this incredibly beautiful relationship of a father with his kids that can't do anything unless you're going to believe. Unless you're going to, and from deep within us, our heart begins to believe. And when you believe, heaven moves. When you believe, angelic hosts are revealed. When you believe that subatomic particle in your body, all these subatomic particles begin to bring healing. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead in Romans 8, it just quickens your mortal body. It means to make it alive with God's life. Every area of your life, wait on the Lord. That's how David strengthened himself. He just spent a little bit of time with God. Sometimes it just takes a minute or two just to reset. Other times and daily, you need to kind of get aside with him. The problem with people is they wait till they've got a problem, then they wait on the Lord. But I've discovered every day, wait on the Lord. Hang out with him. Spend time with him. And stop believing that prayer is only for problems. What about the future getting brighter? What about your career getting bigger? What about your influence touching your family? What about training your kids so that when you're dead and gone, generations of your family are going to go on and do great things for God? It's not just about problems. Waiting on the Lord is about living a life that is bigger, living a life that is greater. You say, well, God's not into that. God is absolutely into that. He needs you and I to influence in the business world, influence in the government world, influence in our cities, influence in education. The God on the inside of us wants to take the giftedness that's inside of you and he wants to make you bigger the problem with most of the church world today they don't think big enough think bigger let god take you on a journey celebrate recognize but remember to wait spend time with him father i pray right now for every person that's listening to this message that you touch something deep inside of them that we'd remember or recognize Spending time with you <laughs> is to absolutely get charged up. Father, I pray for that Christian who might be in a horrible pit, 
For that believer that's banged their head against the wall, I pray they'd learn this beautiful, incredible, the depth of this mystery, but it's revealed now to wait.